welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington. And this is the Belgian Grand Prix race preview. That's right, guys. We're back in action from the summer break. I missed our last episode. Have some thoughts. We'll touch on that later. Uh, but, it, but it's good to be back, kind of back into our regular swing of things. Like usual for our race previews, we'll be going through our storylines for the race, kind of some interesting facts about the racers, what's been going on in the F1 world. After that, we're going to jump into some interesting facts, some two truths and a lie led by Tanner. And right after that, we're going to get a weather forecast from Tanner the Torrent Hicks. Following our weather forecast, we're going to go into our betting props from Lance Big Bookie Ellington. And we're also going to give our quality surprises a little earlier than that. Uh, <laughs> but our quality surprises, whether it's a surprise entrance or exit. So we're going to do that. Finally, after our betting props, we're going to close it off with our podium predictions that we know you guys care about. Surely. But... <laughs> Lance, Tanner, how you guys doing? I'm doing good. Got to shake off the rust a little bit, get back into a race preview kind of mode. Excited to be talking Formula One and talking about the races. We did some power rankings, did some silly season episodes during the summer break, but I'm excited to talk about what's happening on the track again. And it's just, it's going to be a good time coming back with three races in a row. That's really exciting. It was a nice little break from us. We didn't post as often. We got a little cabin trip in there with the boys which was a good time so feeling refreshed and excited for uh, for formula one to be back tanner how you hanging in there no you're going through a move right now yep i am through phase one of moving my stuff my my living my 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 uh my all my internal value sits in a storage unit right now so phase one of moving back to knoxville is complete it's all going well um, but I am very excited to get back to formula one. It's, I don't think it's going to hit, it's hit me yet. I think it'll hit me when we start getting into some of the races. Uh, but I'm super excited to, to, to get back into everything, get back into the drama, get back into, to watching our guys succeed, watching, watching the chaos that ensues when Ferrari can't finish races. Um, and, and I'm just I'm excited to to record it all with you guys too. It's been a while, so I'm excited to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, so what we learned is Tanner is an under the mattress type guy. No, no banks. He's <laughs> decentralized, storing it in a, a storage unit. Um he's wow. he's a little bit like Danny Rick right now, doesn't have an official home anywhere, kind of like a nomad, doesn't doesn't know what's next, still feeling it out. Yeah. I would Living on vibes. I don't want to be compared <laughs> to Danny Rick right now for anything other than just like his personality. That would feel pretty good. But uh, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll roll with punches. Yeah. Well, gotcha. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I was in Chicago last week, so missed our our power ranking. So I have some input for for the guys. If you haven't listened to the power rankings episode, be sure to go check it out. Tanner and Lance broke down their top ten gave their thoughts on each other's rankings, had a little flip-flopping. And I've got some thoughts. I've got some opinions. And most of those are pretty flexible, but I am unwavering in a couple. No notes? There are notes, Lance. I'm sorry, but there are notes. The performance and delivery was spot on. 
let, let me tell you. But the analysis, the rankings, pish posh. <laughs> having to debate to debate whether or not Charles Leclerc is the second best driver on the grid shambolic shambolic oh wait 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 if we're talking whoa, about who, who's whoa, the whoa. second best driver on the grid you're out of your damn mind what do you think power coming? rankings are good buddy power rankings have we're, never been who is the this best season and who is the worst the okay, power okay, rankings sure, sure, sure. go into All right, this sorry season. okay sorry jesus all right, I'm out, I'm out of the swing of things. Okay, second best driver on the grid this season, whatever. But Charles Leclerc is clear. Uh, not of Max Verstappen, he's number one, don't get me wrong. But putting him behind Lewis Hamilton, when Lewis is behind his own teammates. Nah, nah, I'm not about it. I'm not rewarding consistency and, and solid results. I'm, re- I'm rewarding wins and huge results Uh, that's what wins you a championship and that's why lewis hamilton is still behind his teammate because he puts in solid performances don't get me wrong but he's not wowing anybody again still in my top four for this season for power rankings but he's he's three or four solidly three or four charles leclerc is wowing amidst a season of bad strategy decisions and poor reliability Arguably more than anyone on the grid, costing him points. Yes, he's had a mistake. But you guys talked for like five minutes saying how bad Charles Leclerc's season has been. And we're like, oh, but it's okay. We have him second or third. And not even being like, yeah, he's a good driver. (laughs) I was like, like, (laughs) you praised everyone on this podcast except Charles Leclerc. Because out of everyone else on the grid, because uh, out of everyone else on the grid, there's nobody that we expect more from. Everybody else on this then list. Then put him at fifth. I don't. Everybody like, else. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. But everybody else on this list has either met or outperformed our expectations, and I have higher expectations for Charles Leclerc than being. What is it? What is it? Eighty points behind Max Verstappen right now. So yeah, you're going like, to tell me that you expected Charles Leclerc to be in second place at halfway through the season? Um, no, because I didn't. Let know me do Ferrari a little. Let me do a little car. rewind right now to our preseason predictions, where we had a all three of us had a certain Lewis Hamilton winning this year. Every one of us had Lewis Hamilton winning this year. So you're going to sit here and tell it's me his Lewis fault, Hamilton is exceeding or meeting expectations? Lewis let Hamilton me- hasn't. Sorry, go ahead, Lance. Let me let me add some color here. It's those were our expectations. New regulations came out. We saw the cars, and from the start of the season, from what's transpired, Charles Leclerc came out great. I said this on it. He's only had two podiums since the first three races. Lewis Hamilton has the longest streak of podiums out of anyone on the grid, the most consecutive. And I, you said it's about big results. Those are big results. He has one more podium than Charles Leclerc this season in the third best car on the grid. Fourth place on the grid? Th- third third best fourth? car on the grid? No. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
That's what a third like. But it's three. not. We're not. We're not doing the points here. We're not stacking up the points. It's about performances with your car. That involves consistency. That involves driver error. That involves what you're able to make out of the situation given. And we've seen Charles Leclerc cost his team over thirty points on driver mistakes. Can you point to me when? Hamilton's crashed out of a podium spot because that's happened twice to Leclerc this season on, on a driver error alone. consistently beaten by his teammate for the first like five races. Okay. All right. I'm ready to, I'm ready to interject. He was driving a different car. He was driving being a different car from his teammate. They were doing different things. Lewis Hamilton was upset with the Mercedes car for the new year regulations and he wanted to experiment. They didn't want to do that with two different cars. So they kept, they kept George Russell's car with the regulations that they expected and they let Lewis Hamilton do the quote unquote clever things that wound up not working. All right. So you're telling me that if a driver sits in a car and makes a strategy decision and is wrong, we're going to punish him for that. But if a driver sits in the garage and makes an engineering decision and is wrong, we're not going to punish him for that as well. No, it's not him sitting, making an engineering decision. It's him raising a hand in the meeting saying, yeah, I'll be your guinea pig. No, no, that's an engineering decision. Hey, engineering doesn't fall part of, of driving. Dri- driving involves your racecraft. It involves your pace, your speed. And at times, yes, it does involve strategy. It does involve your strategy. So strategy isn't involved with, I want to go with a higher or lower downforce setup for this race and be experimental with my rear wing or front wing? No, no. To me, strategy is about knowing when to pit, when to say no to, uh, to pit orders, when to not come in, when to do the right takes, even you know, given cer- certain circumstances, when to know. avoid a double pit. When to, when to find the correct breaking point and turning point and a turn on a track all right i all still right. have charles second i still have charles second. <laughs> charles charles is a good driver he's a good driver so is lewis so they're, lewis they're both really good at the sport <laughs> lewis is probably the goat you're like top three whatever <laughs> This is, this is why we needed you on this way. podcast. Okay, <laughs> let's get back. Let's get back into the preview. I think we've we've kind of beat a dead horse with this, but that was fun. It needed yeah. to happen. <laughs> Belgian Grand Prix, guys. Let's let's talk about what happened last year. Tanner, you wanna you wanna go over the uh, the events that unfolded, or rather, didn't last year in Spa? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can. Um, I, I'm not familiar with all of the specific grid positions as far as it went, but Spa sucked last year. Let's be frank about it. Spa sucked. So everybody knows that in Belgium, and specifically in this part of Belgium, it rains a lot. It rains a lot, and it also rains a lot on race days and qualifying days. That was the case uh, last year in 2021, where it rained on qualifying, and a lot of drivers just kind of be bopped around, put in some very solid results. George Russell in a Williams car qualified in P2. So that was the main one. Max Verstappen qualified P1, par for the course, whatever. We're not that worried about that. We come to the race and it just so happens that it's raining, but no, we're just going to let them drive around for a little while and it, it'll be fine. No racing. You're staying under a certain miles or a certain kilometers per hour and you're not allowed to pass each other, but we're going to let you drive around for a little while. And then they stopped the race. 
the, of course there was more nuance to it all. It wasn't like they didn't know what was happening. Like I just played it out like that, but that's ultimately what happened. They drove a certain amount of laps and they gave every driver half points based on their finishing position. So to elaborate that on that, usually drivers get 25 points for finishing P1. Instead, Max Verstappen got 12 and a half points. George Russell, who qualified in P2, didn't have the chance to, to challenge for a P1 or potentially lose any spots. So he got half points for P2. Instead of 18 points, he got nine and so on. So a lot of chaos at Spa last year. So, I mean, I just want to see some racing. That's, that's all I really care about. Rain is great, but it's not great if you can't get any racing. That was an excellent recap of what happened. The one notable thing you missed is one Nicholas Goat Teefy coming in ninth place, bringing home points for the boys back home in blue for Williams. Doing a good job there. Getting ninth, one of his only point of the season, I think one of two points finishes last year for him, if that. So, but no, hopefully we can get more laps out of the drivers this year. Uh, it's something I'm looking forward. It'd be a really big disappointment to have a summer break and then have the same thing happen. Uh, at the track as it did last year and not even get a race. So definitely counting on a full, a full race this time around. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's one of the races that I'm looking forward to more than, or have been looking forward to more than any other race, just because of how cool of a track um, spa is. It's got the largest elevation changes on the grid, which is just amazing to watch. If you're watching like rate or lap, um, lap, uh, I don't know, reviews, videos of laps, um, lap on boards. Sure. Maybe. Um, and, and you watch drivers go up and down and they go around. Oh, Rouge. And it's, it's just a very cool track to watch drivers navigate um, especially pairing it with Zanvoort the week after, I think is a really cool combo. Uh, two of the more classic tracks on the grid and two of the probably higher difficulty tracks on the grid. So I, I think that's definitely something that I'm looking forward to, uh, especially since this is going to be the first time I'll be watching it live, you know, full race if it does happen. So. A lot to look forward with Spa, a lot to look forward to. I mean, and like you said, it's a historic track. It's one of the most historic tracks on the circuit calendar. And, you know, there's been a lot of hubbub around with it potentially going away in the future. All of the drivers are a resounding no against that idea. And that's typically how they are. All the drivers want to drive at these historic tracks. So things like Monaco, things like Spa, things like... and to an extent, at least, at least having a French Grand Prix. So in, in talks of all of these tracks going away, the drivers have become very united in their opposition to pulling these tracks off of the F1 calendar. Um, so hopefully we see something special at Spa this weekend, because certainly that's going to be the best argument for it staying on the calendar uh, when you're not worried about the money aspect of it all. No, that's I a good I'm point. Not. Oh, no, no, we're not. We're not. But uh, the the boys in Europe, the FIA are uh, they got a they got a one track mind at the end of the day. They're focused on their product. And that's not not always in the best interest of the fans and the drivers. 
Noah, we did our little back and forth on Charles Leclerc and how, how we treated him and Ferrari in their rankings. Pretty tough, Tanner, and I did on our solo episode without you. But in all seriousness, what, what are the, what's a good rest of the season look like? Look for him. How, how, how do these finals, you know, races end up going? How does he come out of the gate? What, what's happiness? Because right now I believe Max – has the driver's championship i mean he's favored minus 900 on the books to win the driver's championship obviously you still want charles Leclerc to come in second place but what are you looking for to to see him finish off strong yeah so so what we have i think 10 races left um 10 or 11 and i think success for leclerc through the end of the year looks like a second place finish with a minimum of two race wins um, and probably five or six podiums, including those race wins. I, I, I think that's probably a realistic goal. And I, and I think that's what success is. Cause yeah, you're going to have a few races where maybe he starts from the back of the grid for one more penalty or maybe he DNFs one or two races for whatever reason. Uh, so ultimately, I think second place, two race wins, six podiums. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's success. I, th- I think it's hard to ask for much more than that, given Red Bull strategy, pace, and talent, really. Thoughts? One thing I want to <laughs> add is, can, can we say maybe – for him to say so he'll finish in second but to outscore max verstappen over the final 10 races or so is that a fair goal for him to have in mind and say hey i don't know if i can make up this many points but can i outscore him the rest of the way as long as you know no reliability issues come up <laughs> that that last sentence is the the big kicker isn't it um yeah i, I think it's a it's a fair goal to have I don't think that this that the rest of this season is considered a failure if that doesn't happen though. Um, I, I think that's it's not unrealistic, but it's that's that's like a hundred percent success. Um, where I, I think you can still get an A grade without it. Um, so pessimistic. Is it? No, but I, I think two race wins is pessimistic. I, I, my expectations for Charles are much higher than a minimum of two race wins from 10 races. He should be doing better than that, like point blank. He should be doing better than that. He suffers from some bad strategy calls, but historically, Ferrari, where they make some errors in strategy, aren't doing them more often than two times in a 10 race span. Um, let like quite frankly, and to that point, the Ferrari car, while it's not the most reliable, isn't having reliability issues more than two or three times in 10 races Two probably is the max. So with all that said, uh, no, I, I think it, that, yeah, I, I expect him to get at least, or I would hope for him to get at least four race wins. I I'd hope that he gets even more. Um, but I would say the minimum for success for him should be at least three, but I, I would probably raise that bar even higher. Yeah, but the issue with that, right, is you just said two strategy mistakes and two reliability issues. That's four races that are probably costing you wins, right? 
Then you got six races left. And in four that you said four race wins is the goal. Yeah. And to add to this, like, let's that be means honest, fast Red Bull and Max Verstappen and four races. And, and yeah, the but Red Ferrari Bull don't care anymore. They already fast. won everything. Well, that's just not true. That's that's not how these teams function. I know. Like, I know. Like they, but, they just want to win. But I think you're oversimplifying the argument that I made. We I don't want to get into a semantics argument, so I'll I'll contain myself. But no, I I I, I, I would think it, I would call it a disappointment for Charles Leclerc to finish the season of 23 races with. If he gets two with five race wins, that's a huge disappointment. That's a huge disappointment. That's a massive underperforming as far as uh, ceiling goes. Yes. He's in the fastest car. Is he he though? All right. All right. Be honest. Is he though? Like he's fat. He's faster. Maybe half of the races. And in half of those races, his team or in another, I don't know, third of those faster races he's having reliability issues where the red bull has had reliability issues twice like is he in the faster car i I don't think he is i don't know what the qualifying comp is between sergio perez and carlos Sainz because i think that's a more representative is he in the fast i know you think he's in the faster car but like race pace race pace is he in the faster car yeah, because I think Max Verstappen's a stronger driver than him, and when but neither of them are su- suffering from strategy or from reliability issues. Max Verstappen is still challenging him, which, in my opinion, if Max Verstappen was in the fastest car, it wouldn't be a competition, and it is. What so. races are is Charles Leclerc not challenging him? Him are. Yeah, what races is Charles Leclerc not challenging Max when he's not having strategy or reliability issues? It's been a while. He's screwed up in a lot of these races. Well, no, he starts in first in all of these races, Tanner. So he's challenging him. No, I know. And that's he's my qualifying point. ahead. Well, like what like I don't understand what you want. That's my point. If he's qualifying ahead and Max is a stronger driver, if Max was in the same car, he'd be qualifying even higher. <laughs> let's let's move on this is stupid this, <laughs> moving this is, this is yeah let, move, let's move on moving down to to a couple other guys that are just even teams expectations and i'll just say some sweeping ones and you guys just jump in where you feel like i'm, I'm off the rails here because i just want to go through and you know say what i think is is going to be success down these final 10 races or so for these guys Sergio Perez, I believe he should be trying to get more points than Charles Leclerc. I think that should be his goal is to outrace him and finish above him in the driver standings. Uh, Red Bull, you're going to win it. Max, win it. Like That's their goals. Nothing to talk there. Ferrari, your goal is to Carlos Sainz finish above George Russell. Charles Leclerc, hold on to P2 and hold on to that constructor's P2. For Mercedes, you want to jump Ferrari in the standings, get up to P2. And Lewis Hamilton, you want to go as far as you can up those standings. And George Russell, you don't want to fall off. You just want to repeat what you've been doing through the first 13 races of the season. I think that's fine. Not saying I don't think there's room for George Russell to grow, but pretty content with where he's at. 
And then the only other ones that I truly want to talk about are Alpine and McLaren. And I really don't know where to go with this because don't know what the cars are going to be giving us one way or the other, or how strategy decisions are going to be made within these teams for these drivers with Fernando Alonso on the move. And who knows what's going on with Danny Rick. They've been the highlight of silly season. Tanner, what do you, what are you thinking for that battle of McLaren and Alpine? So I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Alpine are going to come out on top largely because I think they're bringing a stronger car through the rest of the season. Um, I think they've been more willing to spend more this season than McLaren have. Um, and partially is because McLaren wants to spend more on future seasons. They, they, they are admitting that they missed the mark in their expectations and in their goals for this 2022 season. And they really want to nail down the 2023 season. So with that, I would expect Alpine to pull ahead as far as their team expectations I would say each of them, <laughs> their goals, I would say each of them uh, has a goal to finish above the other. I would say that Lando has a goal to get at least one more podium. I would say that each of the Alpine drivers have a goal to finish uh, on the podium at least one time. And I would say that Daniel Ricardo, you know, I don't know. I don't know where his head's at. So his goals might be not as lofty as they should be, but I, I, I don't know how optimistic he is at the moment. What's up, guys? Editor Noah here. This is an awesome time to jump in and say Daniel Ricardo and McLaren have just announced that he will not be returning there next year. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to break this down further in our race reactions and all of that. But some real stuff going down this week in Formula One. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with all of those. Like, I think Alpine and McLaren should aim to beat each other. I think, I think Sergio Perez' season's a disappointment if he doesn't finish second. Like, sh straight up, I don't know how you look at it as a success. Um, your teammates winning by 80 points, there's no excuse. Straight up, there's no excuse. Um, Carlos Sainz should aim to beat sergio perez um it's gonna be difficult but that should be the goal um mercedes wants to jump ferrari in any way possible um i think media is gonna talk more about lewis than they are george but like they don't i don't think mercedes internally cares how they jump ferrari but i think media will present that differently so yeah i mean i think those those are all the goals i think Red Bull is win by 200 points is, is their goal. Um, but yeah, it should, should be a fun uh, second half. And I, I'll ask one question, and I think we've hit up enough storylines about these drivers and teams that can get into some other stuff. But first, out of these three teams, they're all within 14 points of each other. Who are you guys picking to finish higher? Haas at 34 points. AlphaTauri currently with 27 or Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel's final races in Formula One, at least, you know, not expecting him to come out of retirement, is sitting there with 20 points. Which team do you think comes out on top? I'll start, and this is kind of a tough one, because I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think Aston Martin are going to be the quickest out of the three over the rest of the season. But even 
if it's only 14 points, I don't know if they can overcome that gap in time. Um, so with that, I'm going to say Haas. I have the least faith out of these three teams in Alpha Tauri. They've given me nothing in recent races to suggest that they, they're challenging in the midfield battle. Um, here, Gasly, while he's had some really strong results this season, has largely underperformed as far as expectations coming outside of 2021. He was probably the F1 darling last year as far as shocking the world in some of his qualifying and race uh, race result performances. And that hasn't happened this season. So have very little faith in Alpha Tauri. If I'm choosing who's scoring the most points out of these teams in the final 10 races, I'm picking Aston Martin because I do think Vettel will go out with a bang. Um, but I'm going to say Haas is going to win out of the three of them, partially just because of the lead they have built up on Aston Martin right now. Yeah, I've got a Haas, and I don't even know that I would say Aston Martin scores the most. I do agree that I have the least faith in Alpha Tauri right now. Um, but the reason that I'm putting my chips in on Haas for those three teams is I think they care the most about keeping that spot. I think the other teams care more about future years. Not to say that Haas doesn't, but I think finishing above those two teams is more valuable to Haas than it is to Aston Martin or it is to Alpha Tauri. That's fair. Yeah. I'll, I, I won't say what I think, but what I want to see is Aston Martin finish on top and see a nice Sebastian Vettel run and see him really stack up some points here at the end regular Q3 guy and a lot of 10th to 8th place finishes, that would be really exciting. It would. It would. All right. I think I think it's time we jump into the truths and a lie. We've been pretty combative this podcast. Let's continue the <laughs> combativeness for Tanner's Two Truths and a Lie. If y'all haven't listened to it before, Tanner's going to present three facts about Spa, um, and uh, one of them will be a lie um they're all pretty obscure lance and i have limited f1 knowledge and history knowledge of f1 history and so tanner's going to try to outsmart us and uh in in the past has usually outsmarted me i think lance is a little his records is slightly better than mine yeah we'll see how it goes i decided to take this week a different route as this has been our summer break and as we have had some time to digest how we feel about everything that's happened so far this season, this week, uh, my two truths and a lie are based on results so far this season. So we're talking standings, we're talking driver results, we're talking everything. So so this is what it's based on. Nothing to do with spa this season. I, I decided to to use this week as a chance to reflect on what's happened so far. So I'll go ahead and get into it. My first truth or lie is that 13 different drivers this season have finished a race in fifth place or higher. Second one, each driver inside the top six in the driver standings have at least five podiums this season. And lastly, Alfa Romeo, between their two drivers, so adding up between the two drivers, have the most DNFs on this season. We've talked so much about the Ferrari engine and its reliability issues. 
they have the Ferrari engine. We've talked about Ferrari themselves as a team having issues, but Alfa Romeo have the most DNFs this season. So boys, drill it down. I want to hear what you guys think. Um, so the first one, what was that again? That was, yeah, can you repeat that? 13 yep. drivers, top five. Yep, 13 drivers have a finish this year of P5 or higher. Okay. Um, Lance, my initial thought is I'm pretty sure Alfa Romeo do have the most retirements. Or I would believe uh, that. I, I would believe that. I think the other two we can we can talk our way to and, and figure it out and leave that as kind of the wild card. Just because that's not something I have the memory, but it's something that is is definitely believable. Yeah. All right. So let's do let's do this second one then. Uh, top six drivers. Top six drivers. At least five podiums. Um, Max has it. Charles has it. Lewis has it. So the questions are: Do Signs Perez and George have it? Perez almost definitely does. Um, being third in the standings, I can't pa- see Perez and Signs. I'm pretty sure they pairs and signs have the same amount of podiums. Yeah, yeah. Which, they both they both yeah. do. They have the same amount. And, and George, George with all his top five finishes, five podiums for George though, it's a lot. Because I mean, I what Tanner just it. told I us George that Lewis five. has. Tanner just told us Lewis has six podiums though, right? Or does he, he does. have seven? He does. Yep. Lewis has, six, Lewis has six podiums. And so he said he had one more than Charles. This is from earlier in the pod. So we're going to say that George has the same amount of podiums as Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz. I'm not sure. Um, First one, 13 drivers, top five. All those top six drivers have. Lando has, that's seven. Um, Alcon has, that's eight. Alonzo has that's nine. Uh, Magnuson has that's ten. Bottas has that's eleven. Um, who else would have? Danny um, Rick. I don't think he has. Um, I don't think so. Schumacher has not. Joe has not. Neither of the Aston Martins have, unless Vettel has, but I don't think so. I'm mixed, dude. I I think Alfa Romeo is true. Um, I I think I know I know what I want to go with. I did I did power rankings last week, so I did a lot of analysis and study. So I may know a couple of things just because of that. I I'm I'm trying to think through these 13 drivers still though, and I'm still only getting to 11. And Mick was yeah, a yeah. was Mick a sixth place finish in Austria? At best, yeah. Okay. The, yeah, and even that only gets me to twelve. And I don't even have a thirteenth if I even were to assume one better than what I think he did. Yuki? So no way, no. right? No, no think no. about think about checkered flags too. That's a good way yeah. to think about it. Yeah, Yuki's never gotten a unanimous let's praise yuki checkered flag he's gotten checkered flags everyone don't worry 
Um, I think I'm with yeah, you. So, I, I think this is the lie. The 13 drivers lock it in. Yep. I'm with you. All lock right. it in. Locking it, locking it in on this now 14th iteration of two truths and a lie. This was basing on your knowledge of the Formula One season so far. In the 14th iteration, you guys both stuck with your guns. You logic it out. You stuck together. And by Jove, you both got it correct. Good job, guys. Good job. I'm glad you guys have been keeping up with the season so far. I'll take it. Uh, yep, you were right. There have not been 13 drivers to finish a race in P5 or higher. In fact, there have been 12. The one that you guys missed, and I was surprised you didn't even mention his name. Pierre Gasly has a P5. He came in P5 in Azerbaijan and Baku. Oh, I just didn't think he did because I know he's below Yuki in the standings. And so I was, I, I counted him out. Sorry, Pierre. Yeah, yeah. no, he, uh, he's actually above Yuki in the standings. He, he jumped him and <laughs> largely due to that P5. Yeah, I mean. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. It, 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 it's all okay. It's all okay. No, Pierre's somewhat come back to life, uh, largely from that Baku performance. Um, but no, the the one that I thought I might get you with, Daniel Ricardo has a P6 on the season, but has never gotten into P5. Um, and like you said, Mick never got it, you know, Joe never got it, got it. So that's where it was drilling into the rest of these. Yes. Each driver inside the top six have at least five podiums on the season. Max Verstappen, I believe might have eight or nine Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton each have six and George, George, Carlos Leclerc and Sergio Perez each have five podiums on the season. So you heard that right. Guys, Carlos signs more podiums than Charles Leclerc. Lance, I know, I know you knew that because uh, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it. But it's a, it's an interesting tidbit. It's an interesting tidbit. Uh, but certainly a lot of dominance from those top three teams this season, uh, as far as podiums go. Oh, I, I was a good two truths and a lie. Uh, it was, it was solid overall. I'm happy with it. Nice, solid like recap and theme for this for this week. I really enjoyed that getting to reflect a bit and think through what's taking place. Give you your props, Tanner. Yeah. yeah, especially, no, yeah. especially since we were right, like it would have been really embarrassing if we were wrong. Lance. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. Yeah. That would have been bad, especially because yeah. we have a podcast about formula one. <laughs> no, y'all, y'all did a good job. And yeah, no, you were right on it with Alfa Romeo. They have the most DNFs this season. Uh, Joe Guan Yu has the most DNFs on the season so far with five. His teammate Valtteri Botas has three, so a combined eight DNFs. Guess who's in second place? No, it's your boys. It's Ferrari, who have seven DNFs. Carlos Sainz coming home with four. Charles Leclerc with three. So Orsa. <laughs> the boys in red. The boys in red don't like finishing races. So that's what it's been so far this season. But uh, Lance, you're you're climbing up the ranks. So uh, last week was our 13th iteration, and I believe you were at what seven and six at that point. Now you're eight and six. Climb it up. Yep, eight and six. Well above 500. Beating the spread. Beating the bookmakers. Lance really coming home with a big pot. And Noah's getting back to it. I think last week 
he might have been five and eight, getting back to six and eight. So climbing up, climbing up on these these uh, two truths and a lie. So respect to both of you guys for for uh, pulling your knowledge on this one. I'll take it. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, let's jump over to weather forecast from Tanner the Torrent Hicks. Yeah, and I think Torrance apt for this weekend. Now, I, I said earlier about that was how... I, like, I wonder if that was a coincidence. I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to talk to the guy who makes those names. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Lance, we're doing the rest <laughs> of the podcast ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, wow. All right. All right. You ruined my mojo now. I, I, I frankly just don't appreciate it. But moving on. Moving on. I said earlier about how rainy it was in spa last week and how it affected qualifying and then ultimately had a mega effect on the race. Now the forecast isn't, isn't sunshine and rainbows forecast does account for some rain on Saturday. So I would be surprised to go through qualifying with zero rain. Uh, Likewise, it shows a at least 20% chance pretty much all day on Sunday. So there's a very, very strong chance we see another wet race in Spa. Now, whether that's a wet race or just a wet qualifying, who knows? I, I, I can't. I'm not a meteorologist, guys. I, I might be boots on the ground, Torrent Tanner, but uh, don't know the science behind all of it. So, <laughs> so don't take my word as gospel, but certainly it, it could be something that plays a big factor this weekend. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I mean be wild if there were rain that's always fun um stressful for all the drivers i know that's a part of spa that's why the drivers love it whether drivers are good in the rain or not i I, like i think it's something that they that they relish as a with because they're all competitive um yeah looking forward to it and rain is great rain rain creates opportunity yeah exactly that's right that's right will be exciting if it happens Gotcha. Well, well, nice. Before guys. we get before we get into betting, let's let's just talk about quality stuff. Let's. I want to hear because we haven't done this in a while, and it's getting tough because we have so much information on these drivers to call something a surprise or not, whether that's an entrance or an exit into Q or an entrance into Q three or an exit in Q one. And we may be getting some new listeners, and for those that don't know, we are a Botos pod. And that is what we're here to do. Support Valtteri Botas in every way that we can and root for the man. And to do that, I have him as my surprise entrance into Q3. He has not been doing good of late in qualifications. He started off the season very, very hot, super impressive. That's why he's in the top 10 of most power rankings you see. But it's time for him to get back in the get back in the news make a big run, have a top 10 finish, and that starts with the Q3 entrance on Saturday. That's where I'm going. Noah, what do you got for us? We stand a Valtteri Bottas uh, quality prediction. And you guys are going to be surprised because I've been sandbagging this whole podcast because my quality surprise is a Pierre Gasly Q3 entrance. That's right. I was talking up Yuki Sonoda. I was talking down Alpha Tauri. But nah, this weekend we got Pierre Gasly coming in hot. He qualified in the top 10 in the rain last year um, and, and finished that way. And so uh, 
He also finished, I think it was P11 in 2020. Um, so he's no stranger to, to Eau Rouge and, and Spa. So I, I think he can bring that experience this weekend and, uh, and take it in stride. So I've got Pierre. That's a take. It would be fun to see. Fun to see nothing against Pierre. I hope he does well. Not certain, not my, my, not my prediction. But with that, I like that we all did surprise Q3 entrances. And ironically, I like that we all did surprise Q3 entrances and had different people because my surprise Q3 entrance is one Kevin Magnuson racing for the boys back home in America, the Haas team, coming into Q3 with a nice performance. You know, I wasn't as high on Haas earlier in this podcast. I don't really know why. It was just kind of a spur of the moment thing uh, because I could really see them doing well this weekend. Haas is a team and a car has showed pretty strong pace at, on the straights so far this season. And certainly when they're hitting the mark and they have time to prepare for all of it, I think that this could be a weekend where they really excel, both uh, K-Mag and Mick Schumacher. And so for that reason, I have K-Mag as my surprise Q3 entrance. And honestly, it's something that I feel kind of strongly about. I think you should. I think I'm running the biggest risk here. I think Pierre's most likely to go out in, in, uh, in Q1. Uh, I, I think picking him as a Q2 entrance would still be a surprise, uh, but give it, given some recent results, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. Uh, should, should be a good time. I, I think, especially after a summer break, anything's possible. A summer break where it might rain, anything could happen. We could see a goatee feet Q3 entrance. Who knows? That's right. Yeah, I'd be happy with any of those entrances. I think that that put a smile on my face with any of those guys. Absolutely. Well, Lance, I think it's time you you've had a nice break from uh from betting, maybe tempering down a betting addiction uh, that's coming from this podcast. <laughs> but but we're pulling you back in. What do you have for us this week for your betting props? Well, that is very funny. You mentioned a betting addiction because for those that it is Tuesday night, the 23rd, and I do work a normal nine to five office job. And yesterday was Monday night. And you know how I spent it at the casino. That's right. The betting addiction didn't go away during summer break. I had some good luck. Walked up three figures, pretty happy with how the night went. Started off rough, then got it into gear was in bed by 10.30, made some money, and worked a full day. Nothing to complain about. And let's see if we can roll some of this luck over into our Formula One betting as we get back into it. Go off, King. We got some interest. What'd you say? I said go, go off, off, King. <laughs> hey, hey, I got a story if we want to do story time. Ever. It was a – it started out bad. They had us in the first half, not going to lie. They had us, but we came back. But there's been some new additions to the betting on my my choice of book that I look at. You can now bet head-to-head against drivers within teams on which driver you think is going to finish higher. You heard me, right? I can bet Lewis Hamilton over George Russell straight up. Or I could do that for Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc. They only have it for the top five teams. Let me say that. But I think... Any of those favorites, if you just want to win in your pocket and just feel good, make a quick 5 to $10, I say take any of the minus guys other than Lewis Hamilton. I think Max Verstappen over Perez is a safe bet, Leclerc over Sainz, Alonzo over Ocon, and Norris over Ricardo 
is probably the safest outside of Max Verstappen, where you can still make some good money. So I just want to get those out there for for people who want to play it safe. But getting into getting into our points on who we think is going to be finishing in the points this weekend, the two guys I'm looking at, funny enough, came up in our quality once. But I'm going to make you guys choose. We have Valtteri Bottas sitting there for a points finish at minus 130. A little bit more favored than the other one you had, Tanner. Kevin Magnuson at minus 105. Yeah. This is where you can make some money on either of these guys. And I, I truly believe one of them will squeeze into that top 10. It makes sense that the next best drivers as far as odd goes and as far as, you know, capability. Noah, which one do you like more, Botas or Kevin Magnuson to finish in the top 10? I am not sure. I think I like K-Mag, though. Um, I, I think those are slightly longer odds, so, so making a few extra bucks there, depending on how much you wager. Um, and, and on top of that, I think time extra time always favors Haas. Uh, being the lowest budget team on the grid, I, I think um, this summer break probably naturally favors them more than any other team uh, in terms of being behind on upgrades, being behind on, on literally anything. Uh, so I think I like K-Mag there. Um, and I also just, I, I think I like the way Haas has been trending more than Alfa Romeo recently. Um, it's been a while, so you know every everything could change. I could be totally wrong. Uh, that's kind of the fun of this, but but yeah, I think I'll lean K Mag. Yeah, and and I'm true to form, true to my Q uh, qualifying pr- predictions. I have K Mag as well, uh, and it's partially because of the odds. Because I I obviously, I mean, this is a Botas pod. I obviously believe Botas is a stronger driver than Kevin Magnuson. I don't think that's very debatable. Uh, Botas is the man, uh, but unfortunately, that Alfa Romeo car isn't the car. It's not always the best. It's not always the most reliable. And I think this is a track that might suit the Haas uh, a little bit more than the Alfa Romeo. So with that, yeah, I, I do like Kevin Magnuson. And I'm, I'm surprised based on what it's been in the past that they have you know, they, they're still minus odds, but somewhat favorable odds uh, to that point. So that's that's encouraging. Thanks. Thanks, Sportsbooks. Good job. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to fall with you guys with Kevin Magnuson minus 105 coming out of summer break. We just talked about Alfa Romeo having the most DNFs. Want to play it safe as we see what these cars are bringing and where these drivers are at. The next one I want to get into is about top six, working our way up the grid as always. We're going to talk about Tanner's team and my team. They're usually the next drivers up for that top six. We have Lando Norris sitting at minus odds, minus 105 for a top six finish. And we have Esteban Ocon sitting at plus 195 to finish in the top six. Now, usually there's something that happens to a Mercedes, a Red Bull, or a Ferrari driver that opens up a spot for an Alpine or a Lando Norris to get into the top six. Tanner, I'm going to start with you on this one. Who, who do you like between those two? Well, that's yucky because I don't like that Lando has minus odds. It's kind of rude. I, I just praised the sports books and now they're taking it away from me. And I just, just don't appreciate that. 
uh, because Lando is more likely, right? Like Lando's the stronger driver out of those two. And that's why his odds are so much less favorable than Esteban Ocon. That said, um, with the, with the knowledge that this is a track that favors straight line speed and that the Alpine does have significant straight line speed. Additionally, with the knowledge that all of these teams are coming in here and coming into this race with a pretty much a fresh start, right? They've been able to prepare for this race for a long time. Quite frankly, I don't expect uh, either of them to make it into the top six, just because I think the top teams are going to perform the best here. Um, but so, you know, with that knowledge, I'll, I'll take the guy with the better odds. I'll take Esteban Alcon. I, I don't appreciate the, the sports books here because I, if I'm choosing who I think has the better chances, I'm picking Lando Norris. But if I'm having to bet based on the odds that they gave me, I'm picking Esteban Alcon. I agree with you that I'm mad at the sports books, um, but I'm also going to pick or I'm not also going to pick, I'm going to pick Lando Norris um, as, as my favorite guy here. I, you know, I think um, I really wish his odds were in the plus um, because I think there should be more money to be made with him making top six, him being the seventh best driver in a clearly fourth best car, not just fourth best, clearly fourth best. So that's frustrating. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pick Lando Norris, mostly kind of tying back to your cool, uh, driver comp, um, uh, thing, Lance. Uh, I, I, I think since I will always pick Lando over Danny Rick for McLaren and I won't always pick a or Alcon over Alonzo, I think I'd rather go with Norris here as the top six finisher. That's fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. Ocon has the enticing odds, but also it's it's tough that he may be sitting there doing a trade with Fernando Alonso, who may be the Alpine driver that makes it instead. And I didn't realize I did this, but now we're almost thinking Lando minus 105 for top six or Kevin Magnuson minus 105 for the points. And I think I'm going to assume for all of us that we can go with Kevin Magnuson for the points rather than Lando for the top six. That's where my heart is at. But to round out some of this betting, I'm going to throw out one that I really like, and I'm just going to give my stamp of approval on, and then I want to pin you guys on one finer. So leading up, the winning margin from what we've seen from these drivers, whether it's been Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, they haven't been too close outside of the first few races of the season. And I like plus 105 odds for the winning margin to be over 10 seconds. I really do. Because when someone's winning these races, they're getting everything right. It hasn't been that close in quite a long time. And I think plus 105 is good odds for people to walk away with some money. But my final discussion I want to have with you two is who is going to get the fastest lap? Will it be Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen? Both of them have plus 160 odds to get it. And we have good faith that most likely it will be one of those two drivers not that someone else can't get it like a signs or lose hamilton but those is where i'm putting my faith noah who do you like for the fastest lap i like max verstappen for the fastest lap for a few reasons uh, a lot of times fastest lap is strategy based um and i think red bull adapt to those situations quicker um if it's a wet race then it's anybody's game right 
Uh, but if it's dry, I think Max Verstappen pro- or probably pulls home more fastest laps. And, and I think, you know, it depends who's distancing themselves because I agree. I think it's going to be a, a plus 10 second uh, gap between first and second, especially with how long a track this is. I, I think that favors distance. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll pick Max on the fastest lap, but really, I no clue. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You kind of stole my point as far as the winning margin goes. I, I, I'm with you both. I like plus 10 seconds as this is a long track. So it, it would be surprising if, if the top two finished super close to each other. As far as fastest lap goes, I'm just... I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of it can change based on strategy and things like that. I, I'm giving the edge to Max Verstappen just because the Red Bull's straight line speed, I think, is going to help them a lot this weekend. Um, but to that point, I mean, who, who knows? Like, it could go either way. But those are certainly the best two guys to bet on. Well, you got feedback from three different drivers, from or not three different drivers, from three different fans, three perspectives. It sounds like fastest lap isn't what you want to be betting, but that winning margin over 10 seconds at plus 105 seems to be the way to go. That's what I have for bets today. Hopefully we can start off hot and continue to ride throughout the season, hitting some big bets. But now it's for everyone's favorite point of the podcast. A lot of people probably skip to it. So if you've been skipping, you can stop now when you hear my voice. We're going to do podium predictions. And I can go ahead and just kick us off and keep us rolling Mine are going to sound a lot like my power rankings. It's going to sound very similar top three that I expect for this weekend that I gave in my power rankings. I'll start it off with one Max Verstappen coming home in first, starting off showing why he has been so dominant this season and last season, and he's going to continue that success. Coming home in second is going to be one Charles Leclerc coming out with some fire is going to put on a show. I did have him third in my power rankings. We gave Noah a hard time at the beginning of this podcast, but he is a good driver and I do have him coming home in second, putting on a strong performance and building back some confidence for the fans of Ferrari. And finally, Lewis Hamilton bringing home that third place, continuing his podium streak and showing that we may have a three team battle through the rest of the season for wins, which I would love to see. I think all fans would love to see having six drivers capable of any weekend of winning a race. So Verstappen, McLaren, Hamilton, that's how I'll round it out. Who wants to go next? I can go. Uh, Mine is kind of all over the place because, and hold your horses, everybody. I'm predicting Max Verstappen not to finish in the top three. I'm I'm predicting him not to podium. I, I think, we kick off the second half of the year with chaos the same way we started the year where people are going, what's wrong with Max Verstappen? What's wrong with Red Bull? Maybe there's a reliability issue, but I don't think it carries through for his whole team. That being said, P3, I have Carlos Sainz. P2, I do have his, uh, not Sainz's teammate, but Verstappen's teammate, Perez, finishing ahead of Sainz uh, having a little more play pace, and I, I I have a repeat to the start of the year. I have Charles Leclerc taking home a, a victory to kick kick the uh, second half of the season off. I think he had t- some time to get his head right. I think Ferrari had some time to get their heads right, uh, and and I think that's important given the speed of their car. Tanner's right. 
they're not always the, I don't think they're always the fastest car, but they have been at certain tracks. And I think they could be this weekend. And, and so I got Charles Leclerc taking home the win this weekend. Respectable. Respectable. I like what you did there. No, it was entertaining. Uh, and I enjoyed listening to it. And the reason that I enjoyed that you did something kind of weird, Lance and I actually have the same podium uh, for this weekend. That's right. Yeah, I have Max Verstappen coming home with P1. And like I said, it's largely because of that Red Bull performance on their straight line speed. That said, I have no faith in Sergio Perez to finish on the podium. He's not a driver that I think is one of the strongest on the grid right now. For that reason, he's not there. I have Charles Leclerc coming home with P2. Again, he is talented. I do expect big things from him. And so even if the Red Bull might be faster at this track, I think he'll come home with P2. And P3 is going to go to seven-time driver's champion, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Toto was trying so hard to make this Mercedes car competitive for wins. And I think it's coming for Lewis Hamilton. I just don't know if it's coming this weekend. So I wouldn't, don't, don't be shocked if you hear me put Lewis on my podium predictions podcast after podcast after podcast because i think he's coming i think it's coming for the win for him um but i don't think it's coming this weekend but i do think he'll continue his podium streak all right we got good. two lewis podium predictions we you don't want to bet against the streak i mean i might prove myself wrong here but but dang fair enough uh, we don't want to we don't we, we don't want to jinx against the streak i feel like that's even worse well you can't say the word tanner I didn't. That Saying was the word jinx is a jinx in itself. Bleep it out. Just to replace all the jinxes with over and over <laughs> again. People... <laughs> but then people are going to think we're jinxing all over the place. <laughs> well, anyways. You, you totally missed the point of me, of my podium. I'm not trying to ride this streak. I'm trying to bet that we're going to have three teams competing for wins because that's what I want to see. I don't expect their Alpine or McLaren to make a jump, but they're already battling. And I'd like to see Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull fight the rest of the way, even if some of the constructors has already decided. Noise. Noise. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I mean, I I want Mercedes to start winning races this second half of the season. It needs to happen to make this season a compelling season because two teams winning races is not compelling. Sorry, Formula One. Well, I think no, no. that does it for our Belgian race grand preview. We knocked off some of the rust there. You bared with us through it and we came out to the other side and we will be back at the start of next week, breaking down this race, seeing if we got any of these podium prediction rights, what the new storylines are coming out. What do these drivers look like? And these teams look like coming off a of summer break after about a month without any races. That'll be exciting. As we've mentioned a couple of times throughout this pod, we do have a driver rankings up as well as a silly season. So we didn't talk about any driver replacements or what took place because we've already done that. So go check out those previous episodes. We appreciate you guys listening. And if you'd like to help us support the podcast, the two best things are give, give us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. As well as word of mouth, this is a great time to get into Formula One. We're about to have three races, three weekends in a row. Get a friend and listen to the podcast, watch the races, and I'm sure they'll be hooked in an instance. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at F1 Wheel to Wheel. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast.